Welcome to episode seven of Webway Radio. Today we are going to discuss a local RTT we just played in Lebanon, Tennessee. Today we've got Shane here and my wife Jordan. How's it going? And the three of us this past Saturday drove up to Lebanon and played three games of 40K. So we're going to talk about how that went. And there are no windmills in this week's episode. Unfortunately, there wasn't really anything on the drive in. There was a huge rooms to go. That was there a was. big room. I mean, go. massive. I forget you guys haven't been to like three or four events up there. So I'm I'm in, I'm impressed by large things apparently. And with that being said, um, let's just go ahead and jump into our hobby progress. Shane, how about you lead us off? Well, I wanted to get to the minimum to get my ten points for this tournament. Uh, spoiler: I didn't make it. Uh, you were very close. So I worked out a deal with my wife to help me do the gold trim on my on my. Uh, well, hold on, just a second. So what did you play at the tournament, I and played, why did you not get your ten points that you got at Adepticon? All right, so at Adepticon I played Blood Angels because that was the cheapest entry for me to make a competitive list based on the stuff I already owned. The I just I hate the way that they played because they're one dimensional, and I thought if you go back to my the other episodes that that would be a good way to learn how to play the game because I only have to worry about one thing. But it made it where I didn't have any tools in my toolbox to account for certain things in the game because I had no ranged or no psychic. So I thought I'll just go with chaos because I love my space my chaos space marines. The codex is eighth edition, so it kind of sucks. So I was looking for ways to spice it up. And then when we we're at Adepticon, the the knights trailer came out, and I was like, well, I could see if I could do something with knights just to figure out how to move them on the table and stuff since they that tends to be a problem because they're so big. And uh, Kurt just happened to have a knight sitting on his shelf, already magnetized, that he had never used. Technically, I played with him in one game, one time, when they were still really bad. So I bought it from him and immediately took a Dremel to it to chaosify it. And while I was at Adepticon, I bought some armagers. So I fielded a knight, two armagers, and then that was 800 points. So the other 1,200 points was Chaos Space Marines. And the Chaos Space Marines list I did was uh, some of the models were in my pile of shame, so I had to assemble them. The assembly process slowed me down. Well, like I said, I worked out a deal so I could help get some of this stuff painted faster. Right. And I start working on it, and I'm getting everything built. I'm getting the airbrush to, to get in there and paint stuff. And then I was like, I wonder what the actual minimum standard is because we always talk about the three color minimum and a three color, three color minimum is not uh, the standard. It's the battle ready standard and the battle ready standard also requires basing. Yes. So you either have to have texture. I forget the wording, but it's, it's like designs or texture or something. You either have to paint a design on your base or you have to texture it and paint it. Right. And uh, the process I use requires PVA glue twice, which is uh, 24 hours to dry each time you use it. I mean, I suppose you could speed that up, but I found this out with less than 24 hours to go. So there was no way I was going to get that done. I wanted to match the rest of my, my army that was already based, so I couldn't come up with a new system and just waste time. I love so, that we were both potentially trying to uh, base armies the night before the tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up doing a lot of assembly, a lot of airbrushing, 
And then I finally got fresher with the gold trim after I found out that I wasn't going to be able to hit the minimum standard. So I just grabbed a gold Sharpie that I intend to paint over and did the gold trim on my Lord Discordant with that. I do want to spend a lot of time on my Lord Discordant, but a black model on the table on a black base, it's hard to tell what's going on. So I wanted to have something on there to make him look three-dimensional and so you could see what he was. Sure. Not so, just like a black shadow on the table. Right. So I painted the... The Lord Discordant himself is riding a mount, the Hellstalker in this case, and uh, I painted his cloak red, and then I did some gold trim on his legs and shoulders of the mount so that you could see what the heck it was. But I didn't get my 10 points in any of the games, and uh, it wouldn't have made a difference in any of my games either. So Good. I mean, not that, you know, it didn't. Yeah, you know what I meant. That's, uh, that's it for me. I... Uh, I've probably had about 600 points that weren't ready for my cast space Marines. And then uh, my two armagers, I still haven't done the trim on them yet once I, once I hit that wall. You'll get there. I'm sure of it. All right, Jordan, what about you? What have you been working on? Well. Or should I say, what have we been working on? <laughs> Since the new Eldar Codex came out, I had to make sure that I fielded different types of units that I don't have painted and ready. Um, so it took us a while to start scrambling to find 3D printed models for scorpions, striking scorpions, because I wanted to field those. We 3D printed those. We 3D printed the night spinner tops to go along with the, on top of the falcons that I magnetized. Uh, Howling Banshees, we had the starter set. So I was able to assemble those. Right, we had two of the starter sets. And paint so them. All ten. Yep. Jane's are as well. The Shining Spears, we 3D printed, and then I ended up painting them. The Altark Skyrunner was also 3D printed, and I ended up painting him. And then the Warlock Skyrunner was also 3D printed, and I had to paint him. Them. And the reason why we had to 3D print so much is because Eldar is out of stock. Yeah, everywhere. it got real popular real quick, and there there was just nothing. And we could have we talked about converting some of your Windriders. But ultimately, we decided we didn't want to just start ripping off arms and trying to, you know, butcher what you already had. I think so. we ended up, or I ended up destroying one model just because <laughs> we were trying to make it work. But. Now we have a body on a jet bike that we can use. And, I mean, a huge positive to 3D printing is that you get some different sculpts to add some uniqueness to your army. When you do, if you ever do add those other models from GW there, you still have a, a better variety. Mix them in. When we started doing the 3D printed thing... Obviously, we had to because of Eldar um, not being in stock anywhere. And so, my priority was just to get something on the models, kind of what Shane said. Also found out a little late about the bases. So, Kurt and I were working really hard to get everything based. I went to the tournament without two bases finished, but no one really said anything. So Right. Yeah, most, most people are pretty understanding and uh, I believe it was 9.45 that Friday night when you said, oh, my God, I forgot the groceries, and I had to drop everything and not only go get the groceries, but then put the groceries away. And by that time, it was like 10.45, and I was not putting any more uh, rocks on bases. Damn, Siri. Yes. Hey, so we don't normally cover news, but here's some uh, some news we thought was interesting for the week. Since I've joined the hobby, there hasn't been a lot of uh, change. There's been a lot of codexes and stuff coming out where people's right. And you you came in 
eighth, right, 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 right at the start of eighth edition. Yeah, right so at the start. You like, missed all the fun, exciting like, like changes. Exactly. Like six months before eighth edition is when I got into Age of Sigmar. Never played a game. And then eighth edition came out and started looking at 40K there. So the Age of Sigmar keeps getting all these new races and stuff coming out. And it's pretty cool. Like, they had the vampires come out not too long ago that I got really excited about, even though I don't play the game. Well, now we have a long, uh, talked about army coming out for 40K uh, that came out as an April Fool's joke and ended up not being an April Fool's joke. And I'm not really an army that I'm excited about, but I just think it's pretty cool for the game that we're finally getting a new race after, I don't know when the last race was. Was it Tau? Uh, technically, I think it was Gene Steeler Colt. With the oh. Death Watch box. Okay. I think it's pretty cool we're getting a, a new army that it looks like with the stats that they released today, it's going to be a 3-3-4-4 a three, three, four, four model with a 4-plus save. Right. So it's very similar to Space Marines. With one, one wound. Uh, yes. Which I, I did think was very interesting that they went with one for them. Uh, so, I don't know. Curious to see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that... I just feel like I don't know how like all the lore for dwarves and stuff... I just they seem like they would be tanky. It's well before my time. So I just I just feel like they should have I don't think they're gonna be they will be tanky. I think they're gonna get some really, really cool toys, especially with the uh lore article that came out of Warhammer community last week. Um I think we're gonna see some really cool stuff. It's a very interesting uh uh flavor to go with for the lore that they all are ran by an a, a supercomputer, basically. That's pretty pretty epic. I would like to see them do something with the Corsairs line. Maybe make a whole army out of that. Yeah, it. I think that would. It, it's kind of like Forge World used to sell Corsair jet bikes, um, and they were kind of just like an add-on to Eldar, or you could run them as their own kind of thing. As a, I, I don't, it was really before I got into it, but I know one of the guys on the independent characters fielded them and was very upset when they got rid of them. I think it would be neat to kind of see them form into what Harlequin, Harlequins have. I think if they were going to do new Eldar, it would probably be the Exodites. That's what I would want to see, personally. But You're not as big into pirates as I am. So. I'm really big into pirates, but I'm also really big into like Eldar that have been on a maiden world and are riding dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, which, yes. I don't know about you, but that would be right up my alley. Like uh, half Eldar, half Lizardmen. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Like <laughs> slam the two, slam the two together. I just watched a lore video about that the other day. I didn't know they were a thing that we had, but they're like. Uh, There's some really cool conversions. If you they look are around. the Mennonites of the Eldar community, yeah, they stay pure and and all this. Like it, it's cool, but I yep. I don't think we'd ever see them. Granted, new GW, anything's possible, but I never thought I'd see squats either. So here we are there having we are. this roundtable. All right. Is that, that it for a special Shane squat segment? Yes. All right, cool. Let's talk games. Who wants to go first? Kurt. Nope. My game was not exciting. I know you that's why you should go first. talk about your hobby. Oh, I did not talk about my hobby. I haven't done anything because my army was built and ready to go. You did too. Uh, you have the been guys, painting Space the grotesque. Wolves. And you've also been painting Space Wolves. I have done a base coat on Space Wolves. All right. I'm All looking right. at them from right. here. Right. And now I'm... I've got a pretty decent eyesight, but that looks like three colors. Oh, no, no, those those are wolfing. All right, for my hobby, um, I did need, I, I think technically I painted five grotesques, 
So that would give me eight total. So I, I'm running two units of four now because I needed a little bit of toughness in my army. And it, it paid off until they got smite spammed off the board, but we'll cover that later. Here lately, as you guys know, I've had a bit of a desire to go back to Space Wolves. And a long, long time ago, Kenny Boucher of Next Level Painting did a very long stream on how he painted the special character from the, was it the Wolf Time box? What was that box set? It, it was a character he did, and he painted them using, he started with a black, and he mixed it with Mercedes Blue, which, as you know, is my uh, Dark Eldar color, the teal. So it's a very darkish, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a, it's a beautiful blue-gray. Blue. It's a dark blue-gray. Um, and then to kind of top that off, last night I took Wolf Gray from Vallejo and mixed a couple of drops of that in, and it was the perfect highlight to those colors. So now I'm officially base coating and starting to paint my wolves. Nice. Yes. I've always loved the Wolfen models. Yes, and there's two more boxes that are going to be here tomorrow. All right, I think that concludes our hobby segment here. Um, and now we're going to go into our tournament games. Yes. And I guess I will jump on the grenade and go first. Absolutely, because your games were the most boring. Actually, I had it went boring, probably the most exciting game I've ever played, and then boring. Yeah, the the there was one of the games, and I'm not going to spoil which one it was, where I'm sitting there playing a game, and what seems like I just finished deployment, you're over there hanging out with me, and I was like, it took uh, about 25 minutes. <laughs> we'll we'll get there. Don't let's bury the lead. Um, so my game one was against Pedro Reyes of the Huntsville area. He actually puts together most of the events, uh, the Warzone Huntsville stuff. If you're on BCP and within, you know, so many miles, check it out. Um, but he he knows his stuff, and he plays Tyranids, which is great. That was a rough match. I, I couldn't tell you what list it was. I couldn't tell you. I think it was Leviathan at the end of the day, because that's what everybody's still running, even though the supplement got banned. Turn one went okay. I, I shot nine Dark Lances into a Carnifex. I didn't deal a single wound. Because it was forced to hits, forced to wound, and then forced to save for him. And that's basically just how the whole game went. Uh, two, my Incubi got into combat and wrecked an entire five or six man unit of warriors. And two of three zone thorps. And then bottom of two, the the mortal wound started happening. So he had the, the mortal wound bomb guy? It was like seven different things cast on the spells. I couldn't tell you what it was. But it was like, all right, cool. Uh, D6 plus three mortal wounds on your incubi. Seven. Oh, oh, the unit's gone. All right. D6 plus three or five mortal wounds on that unit. All right. It's gone. Don't even roll for it. Five wounds, five mortals. They're out. All right. Drazar, nine. All right. Well, he's dead. And then, you know, he took off a couple more units here. And then most of the grotesque also died to that. So you went first in this game? Yes. And I went so, first in all of my games. So in the bottom of the first round is when the mortal wounds hit you? Uh, no, because I wasn't close enough yet. Oh. But turn two, when I go up to hit things and charge, and I, I made like an 11-inch charge, it was amazing. I thought, oh, here we go. I felt really good at the top of two, or at the end of the top of two. Does Drazar have a special rule like Janesar does, where he can only be wounded so much? Or No. No, no he does not. It's very sad. Yeah, That saved her a time or two. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice. For the point cost, you would think. But yeah, no, it, it just went downhill from there, and finally I had like a homunculus a single Trueborn with a blaster, which I put a fantastic picture of on uh, Instagram if you saw it. It's the one guy with a blaster facing down the Carnifex. Yes. Uh, and it was like, well, I'm not going to get another turn, so let's uh, let's try to fire Overwatch, and you rolled a one. Like, well, that's how it goes today. Um, 
I ended up losing that game 100 to 35. I earned those 35, 25 points and, uh, you know, 10 for being painted. So that, that dude was, ended up being fourth of 29. Yes, he did end up placing fourth. Uh, so I felt a little bit better about just getting my teeth completely kicked in. He was a great opponent. He had uh, every one of his spells and abilities and all that. He had custom made like Magic the Gathering looking cards with the rules and the unit on it. Wow. So he he would just set stuff down. Like it was really cool. I, I kind of want to do that now too personally. Yes, just, yes. You know, yeah. So apparently Siegler does that. Somebody at the tournament was telling me about it. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've never played him. So the. Uh, <laughs> So I have the stats for mine and Kurt's games, but I haven't added Jordan into my my spreadsheet where I keep track of everything. So right. I don't know how the people she played finished because I haven't haven't like I said done that yet. So that's fine. I'm not gonna be able to interject that. Sorry. That's good. It's cool. Uh, let's go, Shane. How was your game two or game one? Sorry, game one. All right. So my game one again. I'm playing a chaos soup list with 1,200 points of Space Marines and 800 points of Knights, and I went second. And my list I built around the uh, secondaries that allow me to score points in the backfield in the opponent's deployment zone. And this gentleman had seven models. Uh, I think three of them were the Forge World Knights, the big ones, and then the rest of them were Armagers. And we were playing on the U.S. Open terrain. And by the way, I do want to talk about the terrain for just a second. The let's, GW... Let's, let's bang out the games and we go back to terrain. All right. So... The only game where the terrain would matter is this night one. Okay. But he was able to place his big knights in such a way that it blocked off any ability for me to move into no man's land. It locked me into my deployment zone. And then he destroyed me. He killed my, my big knight in the first turn. He had a, a model that does eight damage per swing and has uh, 16 strength. So it's wounding me on twos. It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. He ended up killing uh, my Lord Discordant, my Knight. I imagine most things. Most things. I was able to uh, spend some command points and redeploy with the Red Corsairs rule. You can redeploy a Space Marine unit and it comes back at full strength where you redeploy it. And then the Chaos Cultists have a similar stratagem to use. So it took five command points for me to get in his backfield and score some points. That deep struck my Terminators. And destroyed one of his armagers and took his back objective marker, which is the one you have to have to get command points uh, in this mission. Right. And that helped me score points, but he obliterated me. I didn't get any primary points. I think I got four primary points the whole game. Yeah, he he had those those big guys on bases. And uh, we played out a quick roll to see if I could take a second objective, but it would have required me to successfully have killed a second armager on the same base. I almost did it, but I did not succeed. My Terminators are pretty awesome, but I need more more strength on their weapons, I think. I think I might need to kit one of my Terminators out with just Chain Fists. That's only, what, five points a model or something? Probably. Yeah. All right. But Anything lost, else for uh, game one? I lost 44 to 89. If I was painted, it had been 54 to 89. You scored more points in your first game than I did. But then again, I lost everything turn two, so <laughs> it sounds like you could relate. All right, Jordan, what about you? What was your uh, game one like? What'd you play? Round one, I played Jared Arnett with the Black Templar. I didn't really know a lot about Black Templar. He tried to explain it thoroughly two or three times, but in that... With it being my second tournament, I was super nervous. I'm always super nervous around one, and so I don't remember a whole lot about what happened. Um, I do know that he took first turn, and he wiped my Rangers out immediately, so I had no way to 
score my secondary, which I chose R&D. He, my Shadow Specters came in turn two, and he immediately wiped them straight off the board. So it was anything that I could do to try to do, he shut down like he, he saw it straight ahead. So All right. What was your score, did you say, at the start? I lost 95 to 40. I mean, again, you scored more points than I did, so congratulations. Game twos. I've got the best game two. I'm going last. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll go I'll go first this time. All right. I played Grey Knights, and this list, other than HQs, has two data sheets, Terminators and uh, Inceptors. And I believe it's the Inceptors that can teleport around. Oh. It doesn't look like, I mean, the Terminators can obviously deep strike, but the Inceptors had like a, a special rule that let them teleport. I don't know if you had to spend command points to do it or what. The Terminators are super frustrating with the Armor of Contempt because they already have a 2-plus save and a 5-plus involve. So with that 2-plus save, with them ignoring an armor pin, if they get in cover or anything, they're just unwoundable. Yes. And he had one unit of 10 and two units of 5. So whatever he put those on, and they had OPSEC. Yes. So OPSEC Invincible Terminators that can have a psychic phase. It was uh, interesting. And I I just, I couldn't do anything to him. I uh, I put a lot into trying to kill him. It, it did not work out. I I do believe I maxed my secondaries this game. I ended up uh, losing 64 to 83. If I was painted, it would have been 74 to 83. But the, the main takeaway is just how strong the Terminators are. I did, I was able to get into, this is the one of the deployment zones where you do opposing quarters. And I was able to get into his backfield and score a whole bunch of points and take his backfield objective from his deployment zone objective from him for a round or two. So, like, I was I was scoring points, but because I did not have the firepower to move him off of any objectives, like, right. that was that me moving him off of that backfield objective shocked me. Did he take stranglehold? Just out of curiosity, I don't know what secondaries he took. I'm not. I'm not at that level of gameplay okay, yet. Okay, I just is with the Terminator blobs. It seems like that and Obsec like just drop them and come and get me. Like I'm probably. I'm pretty through. sure he did have stranglehold. I mean, it would make sense. That's a quick fifteen with a with a list like that. Yeah. So he he had all these guys deployed back there, and I'm seeing you know, like oh his his guys are Space Marines and it's Grey Knights. So I wouldn't imagine that they have like any weird move characteristics. So I just assumed that he wouldn't be able to move very fast. And uh, that's not the case. And then it seems like everything he can do is just like his psychic phase is like 15 minutes of him just, okay, you got that. That didn't go off. That didn't go off. That went off. That went off. That You know, like his first psychic phase, he had like three rolls in a row that didn't work. And I'm like, okay, cool. The psychic phase is going good. But then 20 rolls later, it's like, well, I guess if you have that much psychic, it doesn't matter if the first few rolls don't go good. Did he spam a lot of mortals or smites or had it? What was his? It looked like he was doing a lot of buffs, and I think the teleporting around took psychic abilities. Okay, yeah, and I I haven't played that Grey Knight list. I played and them at Cherokee. But I think he was sinking his psychic his mortal wounds into my knight, which I guess is a good idea if you had enough of them. But I don't I don't I don't think my if my knight did die, it would have been later in the round, so it took him a while sure. or later in the game. All right. Anything that's else? That's it for my uh, my game two. All right, Jordan, game two. I'll go game two. This was my big win. Um, it was thirty four to eighty five with John Morley, Ultramarines. I did pretty good this turn. I took first turn, or he took first turn, and so I was able to see 
how he was going to move around on the field a little bit. He surprised me by staying behind a building. So most of his units were, were obscured by the building. He didn't really get a lot out, which surprised me because I feel like ultramarines would be strong. So it's it was interesting that he decided to hide a lot of his units. Um, my striking scorpions performed very well. They took out an entire unit of intercessors, I believe. Maybe. I I don't. He had all kinds of cool marine stuff that you never see. Yeah. Um, and the big tank thing was neat. My howling banshees were successful. They were, were able to charge and do lots of damage. So my dice were just in my favor that, that game. Good. And, and I did play John um, at my first event. He was opponent number three back when uh, Drakari was just on top. And I, I feel bad because I smoked him hard. Marines are a little tougher now. I just think that everything was executed pretty well. We played the four corners. So I was able to get into no man's land pretty fast. And I um, did really well with my secondaries. That was my goal this tournament was to make sure that I scored enough points on my secondaries to matter. Do you remember which ones you took or played with? Um, I tried to keep the same ones through the whole tournament just so I could get used to playing those in the rules. The right. first one was uh, Engage on All Fronts, R&D, and then Psychic Interrogation. Okay. It was my first time psych taking Psychic inter Interrogation, and I liked it just because your Psyker could stay 24 inches away and hide and still be able to get that off. And that's what, three three points per round? Three points every time. All right. And you have a ton of psychers, so even if one goes down, you can more than likely still pull it off. Right. So. Um, you can't do it with the Warlock, but you can do it with the Farseer. So I'm, th I'm thinking about bringing Eldrad in there just so I have more than one option. Right. Just a backup secondary getter. I like it. But that, kind, that uh, game really opened my eye to hmm, Striking Scorpions are really where it's at. Maybe Maybe need some more of those guys, huh? All right, so my game two was a rematch against Matt Kidd, who
who I also played at the very first tournament I went to back in February. Uh, he played Orcs, and this game was amazing. We both had tweaked our list to be a little more competitively, or a little more competitive, rather. This was one of those back and forth, you know, I would I would pull off some crazy move, and then he would pull off some crazy move and blow something up. And, you know, my dice would be bad for a round, and then his dice would be just as bad. It was just like a, you know, we, we just played to each other's level the entire time, uh, whether, whether we meant to or not. The game ended up being 94 to 92 in my favor, and I counted up. I was like, this can't be right. And, you know, I let, I let him count it. And then Roland was standing there I was like, you count this too. And, and, and it was right. He would have gotten a lot more points on primary, but it's capped at 45. And that's really what won it for me at the end of the day. Because he, he had like 12 and 8 and 12 and 8 just about every round. Um, but he, he maxed it. So he, I think in total he had maybe 55 or even 60 primary. But you only wow. get this, the 45. Yeah, yeah. I had forgotten to score my last round having two. So I got eight and that's what put me ahead at the end. So, cause I was like, you got me. And then I was like, somebody was like, Oh, you didn't, you didn't mark round whatever. And that gave me the 44 primary points I had. Uh, but it was, it was great. He kept d- trying to do uh deploy teleport homers and behind enemy lines. So he had a bunch of little like 10 man grots and Gretchen and thing like that, that he would deep strike in my very back corner and try to score those points. And then my, I had a five man unit of hellions that basically just, you know, turn one, they had to turn or turn two, they had to turn around and kill those. And then, you know, all right, let's, you know, consolidate back and, and move them. And then he deep strike again. I have to go back again. So it was like every turn I had to go back and, and kill whatever he deep striked. Your reason, your army is the reason why I don't do deployed teleport homers <laughs> anymore because I've played you so much. Most armies aren't as fast as mine though. So True. not, not as big a deal, but yes. But yeah, no, it was, it was great to see Matt again. He had, he made an Oathway sticker for you, which I've got in my bag still. He gave me another orc sticker and it was just great. You know, we, we basically caught up for three hours while we played. Um, and he's actually going to be at the event that I'm going to in May. So it might be a re rematch and go best of best of three, uh, depending on if we pair, but there's, there's five rounds there. So, and only 24 people. So the odds are, you know, what, 45% or something will, will probably play. So very excited to, if he's my game six, I'm, I'm staying. <laughs> All right. Game three. I'm going last on this one. Oh, yes. I, I'll go. I'm, I'm talking. I'll, I'll keep this train rolling. Um, game three. I pulled Tyranids again. Out of 29 people. Yes. And you pulled Tyranids twice. Jordan played Space Marines all three games. Did you really? I did. Like Templars, <laughs> Ultramarines, Salamanders. That's terrible. Yeah. That's of course, terrible. they are half of the faction. Yeah, I know. There were 14 Space Marine players there. So, like, and I feel like I could have gone two and one had I pulled a Marine player. Granted, I haven't played Marines since Armor of Contempt. I know them well. I know the stat lines. I kind of know what to avoid, so I feel like I would do very well against them. But. I think you could have done really good against the Grey Knights because you could have just ignored the 10-man Terminator blob and killed the other two smaller ones and took four of the five objectives. Maybe. <laughs> but my game three was against Stephen Crawley. He, I've played with his son. He was on stream at the Dice Head Tournament on War Games Live back in December, and he was actually at the February GT. I think he came second or third there. So I've, I've seen him around. We saw him at Cherokee and I actually never talked to him or anything. He was pretty confident he was going to win to the point to where he just kind of started deploying his whole army and said, I'm just going to deploy, use this to your advantage. Because wow. I think he knew I had Drakari. He used to play Drakari and I think he knew I had not a chance in hell. 
I deployed like I always do, just knowing what Tyranids did to me last turn, I tried to hide. And I, I don't know what the two models were. I, I should have been a little more prepared. But those two gigantic aircraft flew into my turn or deployment turn one and killed anything that was on the table that wasn't a vehicle. It was it was bad. And then turn two, the mortals happened, and I had about three models left, and we decided uh, we'll call it there. That's rough. That's a non-interactive, and, non-fun and experience. And that's why I hung out at Jane's table most of the game, uh, or at least for round three. All right, Jordan, how was your game three? <laughs> for my game three, I played David Shirley, and I lost 83 to 63. This was a very close game. I'd, I'd come over every 20 minutes and just kind of like, how's it going? What's going on? And, um, and He played Salamanders. His normal everyday army was Tyranids. However, he didn't like that there were so many Tyranid players going to this tournament. So he decided to quickly put together a Salamanders army. He knew his list very well. He had all kinds of buffs and auras and everything that he used. I even took the spell in Paracenses and neglected to use it. I probably should have. But turn one, I went first. And I was pretty much on every single objective except the one that was in his backfield Right at it, the end of my turn. At some point, I came by and was like, oh, this is looking really strong for you. Yes. And so my primaries, I was really successful in scoring my secondaries the first round and... At the bottom of turn two, top of turn two. I believe I might have went second. I think I went second because he went first. He deployed everything. He kind of stayed back a little bit. Right. And then I went my turn one. And then at the top of his turn two, he spent a long time walking around the table trying to figure out what he was going to do because I was everywhere. Yes. I, I, uh, I have a question. Yes. So... We didn't have a hard dice down at the end of turn three. Yes. So my question is, did that help you to go longer, or would you have been better off if you'd cut the game short? I would have been better off if it was cut short. That was my thought, too, because I, I went over there with, like, 10 to go. I was like, hey, guys, 10 minutes left, just FYI. But the, the TO was actually uh, quite deep in his game three, so he didn't announce anything and just let people kind of play it out as Yeah, as he had been very on top of it the previous two right. rounds. Mm-hmm. And so... I hard diced down the dude I was playing. Yeah, and I, I did was, too because I, th- I thought like any minute they're going to call it. Like it, there's there's four minutes in the round. Let's well, just. we were playing on a chess clock, and the problem is is the guy kept pausing it when he was doing his walk around the table and oh, looking at things. At and then every time that I would roll a save, he would put the time clock on me. Yep, which is how it's supposed to be. I know, but... When yeah. you're walking around deciding what mm-hmm. you're going to do, that's taking your time. Your turn. So I felt like that kind of bit me in the butt a little bit. Yeah, but ITC rules state that you cannot pause the clock for any reason, only a judge can. And that's why with this tournament, I know we di- we said we were going to talk about the differences later, but that's one of sure. the differences that I didn't really like was the guy that was being the judge was playing as well. I think um, technically someone else in the room was running it, but the face of the group and the facility and well, the, he, like I thought the I thought that guy didn't play like he was just talking the first round. Right. He is he just being the ringer. I, right. I, I I didn't see him. And then I think what Shane said about the 
going longer than it should have. I feel like if we would have had a hard stop at two and a half hours, right. I it, would have come out with a win. Had it ended after three or four or whatever it was, it, I, I think it was wholly yours. Because by the end of it, I mean, it was almost... Yeah, he was wiping you out towards the end. It was almost 7 o'clock, and we were still playing. Yeah, should have ended at 6.15 mm-hmm. or something. And, and his army was neat, though, just because, like you said, he kind of piecemealed it together. Yes. He had a ton of Primaris Marines that had been painted as Alpha Legion, which I thought was really cool because it took me far too long looking at his... Uh, was it Blade Guard or something? That had the... They were painted the Alpha Legion colors, but he had the actual shoulder pads on them. So it was super trippy to like, well, I know that's that's not a chaos unit, but like they, they're rocking Alpha Legion. So right. it was, I would have played into that and just be like, oh, yeah, these guys are like undercover or something. I but thought it was cool. um, one thing that I learned from him was that he was always thinking two rounds ahead. Yes. Whereas when I play, I'm in the moment and I'm thinking one thing at a time. One of the interesting tactics that he did was that he parked his land speeder in front of a unit of terminators which forced my banshees to charge the land speeder right and take the land speeder out and so because i did that his terminators were ready to spout those flamers off Mm -hmm. and it ruined me because he was thinking a, a turn ahead where i i'm only thinking about that turn and in the moment so i think i learned a lot from that and I also want to try to get better at building my army towards my secondaries. Um, I know that you and I talked a little bit about maybe deep striking the Rangers in to try to get those R&D and plan my R&D each turn out. Right, instead of just YOLOing it and hoping they survive. A so T3 unit that with I a 5-up save or something. That's something that I did learn from him is that you, you kind of have to be thinking about, okay, what's going to happen next? And I, I'm bad about that, too. My army's not really built to do any specific secondaries. Um, I just kind of wing it, and I know what I can and can't do. Um, so I go for board control and speed. He took away a big strength of mine, which is re-rolling wounds. Ah, yes, with the and new armor of contempt. They so gave that went back to hurt me. Right. Because I couldn't re-roll my ones with my guardians, and then I couldn't re-roll the Ulthway roll. Re-roll one wound every time. Oh, one unit. wow. Yeah, that was Five to up. your detriment. I'm yep. actually impressed. You got, what, 63? That's that's pretty good, considering yep. a huge chunk of your, your bonus was taken away. Very cool. I felt good just to see him sweat <laughs> at the top of turn two. <laughs> well, I know at one point you were doing something, and he was asking me, like, what would you do here? Because I don't think he had played Eldar or... Hadn't right. played, like, one of the crazy lists and didn't know what a lot of that stuff did. Right. I don't think he'd ever played Eldar before either because he was asking me a lot of questions. I also was proud of myself this this game because I, he asked me to reference a lot of rules, and I was ready for that, and I was able to show him my codex where they were. Right. Whereas before, I would not have done that. But I would say definitely that my, my game three was my favorite just because I learned a lot. Good. I wish I could say I learned something in game three other than Tyranids hurt when you have a toughness of three and no real save and a six-up involved. But And talking about all of your games going so fast, mine went down to the wire every single time. Well, my game too, we, with like a minute left is when we started adding it up because we had talked out turn five. And it was, I mean, there was so little left on the board. It was so killy. I, uh... What are the rules for that? Are you supposed to talk it out or are not, you not? I think officially no. At least Adepticon, there was no talking it out. When time's up, that's game. Try to keep it fair as far as time goes. But before time is up, you can talk it out, right? Like if I concede 
with 30 minutes to go, we can be like, okay, this is what would happen. I think if you concede, you're out of the tournament. Well, I mean, I'm just but, saying, but you yeah, talk yeah. To the guy like, hey, you want to just sure. talk this out because I can't come back. Right. I I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's okay. Yeah, it's it's not. There's you know. one rule in the new tournament pack, the new GW tournament pack. It has some rules about if you give up or whatever, it changes the way it scores. But I don't think any tournament right. uses those because it would mean that you could did, game or, uh, the system. Cherokee did. Yeah, you could literally 60-0 your first opponent and knock, you know, Jack Harpster or somebody out of the tournament, basically, by by doing that to them. Yeah, yes. the Cherokee, um, the you only game that I talked out was Alex. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's he's fine. He knows his stuff, so. All right, Jane, game three. All right, so... Game three was against Blood Angels. Yes, which I understand you know a little bit about. Yes, yeah, so this was uh, very nice for me because I had never played Chaos Knights from game one. I had never played Grey Knights. And I wasn't prepared for the, like, when we went over the stuff that you can do, I have a hard time understanding it until I see it. And so when he's like, hey, these guys do this, this, and this, and they have minus four and plus two and, and re-roll blah. I'm not going to remember all that for, like, your 50 freaking models. So uh, the Grey Knights guy, he didn't go over the fact that his dudes could teleport, it's, uh, which, I mean, I'm not blaming him, you know. I mean, I'm just saying I should have known what questions to ask. Do you guys have any movement shenanigans, you know? I should have asked that. I didn't. I just let him go through his spill. Well, the Blood Angels, I kind of knew what they did because I just played them in a tournament. I did make two misplays during this game, and I I took the honorable road instead of trying to get him to let me do it. One of my armagers is uh, equipped with twin autocannons, which is an average of four shots. is two 2D3 shots, Oof. and they hit hard. Yeah. I have two guns. I have the autocannons, and I have a melta gun. Well, I shot the melta gun, but I didn't declare where I was going to shoot the autocannons before I shot the melta gun, and that's cheating if you do that, because then you have knowledge of the past, you know what's going to happen. Whereas before you shoot, you know, well, like you're if, supposed to declare all your shots. Yeah, you declare all you your shoot. shots before you shoot, and I did not do that. And the melta gun took somebody out, so that means I could have shot somebody else. Well, since I, if I hadn't taken that person out with the melta gun, I'd just be like, can I shoot my auto cannons at him? But I didn't. So I let that go, and I didn't try to shoot something else, which could have been a big deal because it was over in a uh, contesting objective. And then the other thing I forgot to do was I forgot to drop my Terminators in round two, and I ended up dropping them in round three. That would have been a huge swing oh, because those I, Terminators did work. Yes, but they, then they got shot off the table. But they did. They took those objectives, though. Yes. That home objective. So those are the two biggest mistakes that I made. And the other thing was I had my knight on the middle objective basically because he was on rails. The way the terrain was set up, I could only move up and down in no man's land, like from side to side. I couldn't go anywhere else. And I'm sure that there's some rules with terrain where I'm supposed to be able to nudge stuff to move those before the game starts, but I just didn't think about it. Yeah. So my knight was right out there, front and center, pretty much the whole game. And he made a misplay where he left a unit in line of sight of the of the knight, and that unit died. And As was, I would hope it would. It felt so good because when I shot the Terminators in the previous game, that's not what happened. So I unloaded into that unit, killed him. I think it was Sanguinary Guard that he had deep struck. I think he had deep struck two units of Sanguinary Guard. And Dante? Or yes. Was he part of that? That okay. unit I did not kill. But I killed something over there. On his home objective, he had infiltrators, which is the 12-inch 
deep strike instead of nine inch. So he thought like he didn't measure it out. If he had measured it out, he could have prevented me from deep striking into the corner. So on that objective, he put his guys in a circle around the objective. Right. But he didn't put a model like when he went around the circle, it was more like a letter C that he made instead of a circle. And the, the most important part of that circle is the part towards the corner of his deployment zone. And he left the opening in a different area. If, if that makes sense. Right. So I was able to redeploy uh, some chaos. Uh, well, actually, I redeployed cultists first. He killed those, but I got my points for my secondaries. Then I redeployed a unit of chaos space marines that had gotten down to one dude. My redeployment makes them a full unit again. Oh, very Put nice. them back there. Sure. Got them to score those points for that secondary, whatever it is where you just have to stand there and you score four points if you're in your deployments. Uh, your opponent's deployment zone. So behind enemy lines. So did behind enemy lines there. Then I deep struck in the Terminators. They barely fit in the deployment zone. I, I know that that's when I was watching and like we had to take the dice and make a little like box because there were units, you know, here and, and the and 40 mil the bases side, so. makes it real hard to fit them in there. Exactly. But they but fit. Barely. They fit. They fit. So I got some more points because I have two of my secondaries were about that. I just don't remember the names of them. So on that same note, I I googled it really quick. A knight's base is 100 millimeters at the shortest width, right? That is 3.937 inches, and that's why everything's supposed to be four inches apart. So technically, you can fit down uh, any alley between any terrain. Well, so they, the the two the there was four 12 inch pieces, and right. the plexiglass is maybe two inches apart. Yeah. So yeah, I think they just got bumped, and it's one of the. But yeah, that that's one of where I'm like, hey, these are supposed to be further apart, like. That's good to know. Now we know. That's yes. why that's why everything's four inches. Makes sense. Crazy. It's like somebody thought about this. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so this game, it came down to the wire. Had I been painted, it wouldn't have been quite so close. It was a one-point victory for me. I did a hard dice down at the end because the tournament had trained me to do hard dice down the previous two rounds, and I wasn't trying to be mean to my opponent. I just thought that's how it was supposed to be. And in my mind, there was too much what if, like uncertainties. Like when you talk out a game, it's like, I can see that you will kill this, so you'll, you might get this objective. I don't know about this interaction over here, so we won't count those points because we can't really determine without rolling it out, blah, blah, blah. Well, in this particular game, there were multiple scenarios where in order to get the accurate points, we would have had to roll it out because it wasn't a guarantee. Like at my... Chaos Lord versus uh, Dante, and I had a Dark Apostle. This is like a Week 16 NFL playoff. You know, what needs to happen for the Titans to make the playoffs? Yes. This team has to lose, this team has to win, or these two teams have to tie, yeah, and, and then the Titans have to score at least 37 points to get the tiebreaker. At the end um, of the day, two and a half hours is not long enough to play a game. No. No, it is not. Even just 15 more minutes would make a world of difference. Right. Like um, I'm all for having an hour and 15 minutes for lunch, especially when you have to wait at Chick-fil-A for a half hour. My fault. It's okay. I played at Adepticon. We had two hour, 45 minute rounds and played four uh, rounds in a day and had plenty of two time one between hour breaks. rounds. Yeah. So well, I would. That was also from 730 in the morning until 1045 Yeah, and then you eliminate one of those games. And what are you, where are you at? 630. You're in good shape. Bam. Yeah. 45 so. more minutes is all you're adding to the mm-hmm. tournament. Anyway. Carry on. Would um, you have made it 45 minutes long, Mr. Yeah. No oh, yeah. Also, I, I, should, I should point out that I work third <laughs> shift. I got up at 4 p.m. on Friday and went to sleep at 
Eight thirty, nine p.m., ten p.m. We got home at nine thirty, so we probably dropped you off about nine fifteen. So I, I probably went to sleep around ten o'clock then. Yeah. So I was I was up for a good amount of time. Towards the end of uh, game three, my energy drinks were off. By the time I got into the car, I was a zombie. I'm pretty sure you were sleeping with your eyes open because uh, you were snoring and still looking at me. I, I don't. <laughs> I've never seen that happen. And then we were consulting of whether we were going to stop and get dinner or not, and Shane was like, "Yep." <laughs> and, and we both thought he was asleep. Yeah, yeah. We we were just talking, and and you were kind of snoring or breathing very deep. I was like, I think I think we should just keep driving. And, and Shane's like, Nope. And and that next day, you slept all night until eight a.m. Yep. I got up and watched the Formula One race because priorities, and then yes. I went back to sleep from like eleven until probably eight a.m. again. Eight eight thirty p.m. So I got nine and a half hours, and then the, I think ten hours before that. So not bad. Almost twenty hours. And then I went sleep. back to bed on time the next night. So anyway, with this game, this the reason I'm going into so much detail is because I have never played this guy. And if he shows up at these tournaments more and more, you know, I don't want to be the guy that everybody hates playing. And I felt like he got a little upset, but we didn't have any time left. Right. I didn't know we could play over. And I wasn't willing to concede well, some of the points. And I was right there with you. Like, cause I, I, at one point you kind of got on to me like, Hey, you're helping him. I was like, well, I've, I've kind of given you some stuff. Like, let me come over here and be like, Hey, what I would do. Yeah, I mean, I was teasing you. I know, yeah. I know. But yeah, but it was his first tournament also. Cause I taught, he played next to me when I was playing Matt. So kind of between things, you know, if he was just standing there, like, how's it going? And we, we chat and his wife also plays. Really? They are from Dixon, I think. But I was like, hey, if you come to more of these, like, let's let's swap info or something and, you know, maybe get together and, like, my, our wives can play or whatever and then we can, right. play, you know, figure it out. So. And another thing that I looked at later mm-hmm. that made me feel less bad about it was I did the ITC app scoring. But in the moment, especially as tired as I was, I wasn't thinking about going back and look how we did round by round. Sure. So I looked at it last night and he only scored primary objectives one round. You had a lot uh, first couple of turns, and then it yeah, switch, and that's just how your army is. Though you you start to crumble. Yeah. So he he uh, he didn't focus on his primaries, and if he had prevented the deep strike, which is what those infiltrators are for, and they mm-hmm. could have easily done it. And him, he just they, said they I, almost did just by dumb luck. I don't know if he knows. I guess I, if I play him again, I'll tell him he doesn't have to have the unit has to have one toe to count as all five on the objective. So if he had known that, I think he could have screened his backfield much more effectively, and that would help him out a lot. And of course, well, I didn't think about that till later. But like I said, it was his first tournament, so right. he's, he's like I was in February, deer in the headlights, just shocked. I got a win against John game game three, um, and only because I knew his army inside and out because I like, played him. And also, there's expectations. Like we've sure. done enough research, we knew what to expect when we went into this. When I went to Adepticon, I knew I was going to get obliterated, and. I, I just expected that that's what's going to happen because there's a lot going on with this game. There's a lot of rules, and when you interpret them yourself and play with your buddy, there's a lot of stuff you miss, like some of the weird stuff you can do with Consolidate. and. Uh, I think I learned in. more about Consolidation in my first three or four games at a tournament than I ever did playing here or in like it's the, anybody's it's house. The, people talk about it being the biggest part of the game, and it is because you get six inches of movement, on your st- most things on their standard data sheet, six yep. inches, you can advance for six. You can charge for on average seven, but then you get another six inches of free movement in the pile and consolidate, and you do not have to move the whole three inches towards them. You just have right. to be a millimeter closer to them than when you started. Yep. So you can use that to your advantage to tow in on objectives and all kind of things. And get I, into cover. Yep, I do that now. It's pretty great. 
Uh, that's kind of that way I felt with Cherokee because I was playing the old right. Codex. And right, right. One of four people to play Eldar and waiting on the new one to come out. And Boy, that switched quick, huh? Yes. All right, so we've covered our games. Uh, we've talked about the time, which is something that I wanted to, to talk about was the two hours and 30 minutes because I don't know that very many games finished on time. Like, there was a lot of people that were down to the wire. Even, even, even the game veterans. two, or round three was late to start because there was a a questionable game happening with some top people that I think one guy wanted to talk about. And uh, I I think they gave him an extra 10 or so minutes just to figure it out. But even then it was, it was a bloodbath. But then it also cut our game three short. Well, not really because we, we stayed super over, but the other thing is the, uh, the terrain. So they did the GW open style where they had the plastic plexiglass stuff cut out 12 by 12, Eight by three or whatever, and yeah, it's like eight by six, and then four by four. Yeah, which I personally love. I'm a fan of after playing it a, a third time now. I want to play this all the time. Player place yes. can can go somewhere and yes. do something while it's going there. Yes, absolutely. I hate player placed. I love the GW open style. However, I don't like the magic. The magic is is if the terrain is in between you and neither one of you are touching it. That even though it is a piece of plexiglass, even if the terrain's not there, you can't see that person. As a glass cannon, it's the greatest thing. I mean, that I understand me. that. I just mean, <laughs> I just mean in the sense of, right? Like if I was gonna play this, me and you during a crusade, sure. I would be like, hey, look, I'm okay with saying nah. the first floor you can't see through, but I'm not okay with you saying that. Hey, this two dimensional thing means you can't see me. I've got a three by three building that is on a 12 by 12 piece of terrain. And suddenly the whole thing is, I can see it, but at the same time we're playing tiny plastic soldiers who can throw spells and shoot missiles. And however, that's not my, my, my problem. Like once I saw that, that's how it works. That's cool. I like it. We can use it to our advantage. It is a tool in a game that we can gamify and use to our advantage. The problem I had was the way that the GW official terrain is set up and granted these guys are trying to hold tournaments with just what they've got, and I'm okay with that. So don't think that I'm, like, complaining at these tournament guys for setting up a tournament so I can go play the game that I spent so much money at. What I'm getting at is the way that that terrain is used in the GW Open is there is a giant piece of terrain on it on this 12 by 12 mm-hmm. and only one of the four straight edges is open. On the terrain that we played on, Essentially, three of the four edges is just a wall on the front piece, and then the entire back of it was wide open. So if you just take two inches of movement to go around the edge, you eliminate any of the cover advantage that you get from that piece of terrain. So it was like a a fake piece of terrain. Right. Like I said, that's that's just how they – I mean, it's their tournament. But, I mean, with knights, yeah. with knights, yeah. that's huge because sure. that means I had guys inside ruins – and this knight just walked around two inches. Where on GW train he would have had to have walked another twelve inches of move. It took him two moves of uh, two rounds of movement to get to where he could mess with my guys. And after the first one, I could have counter moved. Sure, but I couldn't on this one because there he didn't have to do that. He just one movement phase, boom, and he's right there, all in all in uh, my infantry messing him up. I had never played knights before, right? And I don't think that that particular problem matters on anything except for vehicles. Sounds like Shane got a taste of his own medicine, huh? What, what do you mean? It did hurt me a little bit that I couldn't shoot out of the bottom floor of the building. Yeah, see, you just don't touch it and nothing can see you. I, I didn't have any issues with it. It worked out great for me. Because the stuff that holds my objectives don't shoot. 
Well, where we play, when we play on the ITC terrain, you got two levels, so I could get in the second level and shoot out of the top. Oh, where those, I see. None of those buildings had that. Right. Do I you, would lose the cover. You've played in one of each now. Did you prefer the player placed, or did you prefer the static kind of board where these are the set rules, it doesn't change? I like the player placed. Yeah. So, it all you, goes you to preference. Still, you still got cover on the second floor, right? If you still get cover. There wasn't a second seen. floor. Yeah. Oh. A lot of the stuff. A lot of the on. things that I had that I played on were only one floor. So do you do you like the player placed or do you just like the terrain that you were able to use during player placed? Like, is it more of the design of the terrain or the or the actual placement of the terrain? I feel like I like player placed specifically because I can use my placed terrain to my advantage. Right. You can kind of pick and choose right. where you're going to battle and where your fire lines can be. And I can decide. Okay, I'm going to put this here. Hide my night spinners so that no one can see them. If 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 I could combo, it's just the bases of GW Open that's awesome. I like not having to think about placing the terrain. However, just the terrain rules for that base. If everything just had that square base and it was still player placed, I, I would like that. that a lot. I yeah. love the base. That's what I love about right. the GW terrain. Interesting. Let's let's experiment with that next time we we throw some practice games down. All right. Um. So, I've been to a few uh, big tournaments. I've been to some little tournaments. You guys have both been to one big one and one little one. I kind of want to hear your thoughts on, you know, the big ones and what you thought of it versus maybe this little 29, 30-man tournament we went to and things you like and don't like real quick. Jordan? Um, with Cherokee, I loved the the atmosphere of it. I feel like... Everybody was super friendly. Everyone was super interested in what you were playing, and it was more of... And you could buy beer at 10 a.m. Yes. Or booze or whatever. Any kind of drink that you wanted to. While you were playing, that was great. Snacks. I liked meeting different people from everywhere and just getting to know people. I mean, I think even when we went to dinner that night, Yes. At the Japanese restaurant, we were all in the same room, and everyone Mm -hmm. was talking about the same thing. So, like, people were... Hey, did you see this? And hey, I did this. And and actually, the episode we recorded where we talked about that, we we actually never aired. So me and you went to dinner after the first day of Cherokee on a Friday, and we go to this little Japanese place because you know we didn't want to pay thirty bucks for a burger at the Cherokee Casino. And we get in there, and it's the maybe one table was just a family on a Friday night. Like yeah, we, family we come four. here, and no one is ever here. And there were probably 25 tables of people who were there that just left the tournament. I would talking. say at least 50 people in that room that were at the tournament. And we had a guy just sit down next to us, or he was he wanted to sit with his buddies, but there weren't any chairs. And we we're like, dude, just, just sit down, like it's fine. And he ended up not talking to his friends the entire time and talked to us and was like talking to Jordan, like, well, what, what do you got tomorrow? What's your, what's your first game? And it was going to be Iron Hands or Iron Warriors. Yep. I don't know. And he like broke down the army yep. for me. He what pulled I it up to in do BCP. And... Yeah. He's like, all right, well, he's going to do this and he's going to do this. And like, you want to counter this with what you've got. And like, we ended up just talking strategy for like a half hour with a complete stranger that we let sit at our table. That's so. one of the things that I'm, I'm really liking about the tournaments is, there's so many rules to this game, it's really hard to digest just by reading it. But I will never forget what Grey Knights can do now that I've played them. <laughs> I will never forget how badass those Forge World Knights are, right? I mean, now that I've seen them on the table, I have a three-hour experience with that. I'm not going to forget it. And even if you bring a different list, once you've played it, you know, you kind of, it's just easier to remember exactly. once you see it. Well, and you've, you've read about Grey Knights for years, but you've never actually got to sit down and play them. 
Um, and that's how it was at Cherokee. It was like, oh, snap, I get to play Emperor's Children. I got to play Admech. I got to play Tau. I got to all these armies that I've seen and heard of and, you know, ooh, whatever. And, and I got to play them. Granted, I lost to a lot of them, but I know what they do now. I'm ready. With the small tournament, I feel like there were pluses and minuses. The positive of it was that it was local. We didn't have to drive very far. It was a little more personal, too. It was convenient. I mean, the people that you were meeting, you're probably going to see there every time. And you get to know the same people and visit the same people Yes. Um, over and over again. One of the negatives was that if you weren't part of the group that put it on, it kind of felt like you were outcast a little bit, which there isn't anything wrong with, and I understand why they do specific tournaments, but... Well, and and I have been to one of their events, and I've been to some other events where a lot of these same people have showed up. And, like, the, the Joseph guy, he beat my ass at Cherokee. Right. And he saw me at the Huntsville event and like, hey, how's it going? And then he offered me a hotel room uh, for, yeah. the, for the Knoxville event while we were outside. Like, well, you can crash on my floor if you want to. Um, so, like, I feel like I'm beginning to know these guys well right. enough to, yeah, to like you get do stuff like circle. that. Yes. Uh, maybe not inner circle so much because uh, I'm not wearing a jersey. <laughs> but I recognized almost everyone in that room between right. the last couple events. And that's really cool. I feel like I'm kind of getting to know these people and right. would be comfortable like, hey, if you're in town, like, come, come down by. one weekend and let's let's bang out, like, three or four games and just practice. Because I'd love to take a couple of cracks at Tyranids in a more friendly environment Relax. that isn't like 30 people egging me on and, you know, see what I can do against them. Something like that. What about you, Shane? Adepticon and Legion? First of all, you can't compare anything to Adepticon because I've heard it's like Disney World, so. it It's Disney World. Adepticon is really <laughs> awesome, except for the terrain. Well, it makes me sound like a one-trick pony here with just talking about the terrain. If I had to have 137 tables of terrain, like, it's going to get real half-ass about after uh, table 10. Right. Yeah, but then every year you improve it. And they have improved so much in the last couple. They had three years to improve this time. There was actually terrain on the table and not Planet Bowling Ball. In fact, one of my games was so terrain-packed, we were like, well, let's just not use these two pieces. And a judge came by. I was like, no, no, you have to place it. Wow. Oh, okay. All right, so big big tournament, little tournament. What are you thinking? So the big tournament, like it was overwhelming. There was so much going on outside of the tournament. Yes. But if I were to try to ignore all the stuff going on. During one of my games, like there's these walls at Adepticon that are movable. And every time you move one, it's like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Bonk. See, I didn't even know they took the walls down during game one and looked up. It was like, oh my God, what is, what is that? So in my fourth game, the Mm -hmm. game I'm most likely to win at Adepticon. We were so close. That was when they were putting the walls back up and the T-Rex was coming at me. So I'm sitting there trying to think about what I want to do. And again, I'm exhausted because I'm on third shift and here I am playing four games in one day during the day. We'd just been 11 hours in a car the day before. So I'm not doing so hot on my mental capabilities. And as I'm trying to decide my movement phase, thunk, thunk, thunk. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And I look over there and there's a crew of people putting the wall back in place. So there's three big halls and there's a removable wall between the halls. So that makes it one big opening. And the, the vendor booth was the middle hall. And then the miscellaneous every other team in the in the world or every other game in the world was in the other hall. And uh, it's just that it really irritated me right. with my, my attention span at that particular moment in time. Right. But anyway, 
I think I like the smaller tournament better. I like it. I like it a lot better. Uh, the the terrain that I complained about is really only for big th- things with big bases. It makes them have to move more so that you can hide your troops better. Outside of that one complaint, and it only came up in one of the three games, is a big problem. Outside of that one complaint, I just I just loved it so much better. It was like I said, definitely more I don't personal. Know, yeah, intimate to where you know. I could take 20 steps and be on one side of the room or the other. And you guys were in the same row. So I could literally just walk four tables down and, Hey Shane, how's it going? And go back and like, Hey Jordan, do you need anything? And then whereas at Cherokee, I like spent the whole first turn when my opponent was moving to figure out where you were in the room. All right. Anything else while we're here talking about our event Saturday? I think we covered just about everything. Well, this has been episode seven of Webway Radio. My name is Kurt. You can find me on uh, Yellid Gaming just about everywhere. Y-E-L-L-I-D underscore gaming. Instagram, Twitter. What about you, Shane? You got a, something to plug? Instagram, Morden865. M-O-R-D-E-N. And if you're watching or listening on YouTube, like us. Give us a comment, something. We're getting views. We just don't know who's watching. So say hello. Jordan, I know you don't have anything to plug. Uh, not that I forget no. about you, but we'll, a couple of weeks we'll, we'll get you up and running.